I'm always amazed when I am leading in worship and I'm leading it with uh, this team because if I didn't know better, I would say there were 100 people sitting over there. Do you feel the same way? Thank you. Thanks for being such good and wonderful colleagues in ministry. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you for this day, for this brand new day, this brand new 24 hours. And we pray, oh God, that we'll be aware, present, and grateful. Help us, oh God, to open our hearts and our ears to your word that if there be a change that's needed, that we'll be able to fully participate and fully cooperate and fully desire to be shaped into your image. And so we lift this up to you and we pray this in the name of Christ, amen. My, son, my son-in-law showed me a cartoon on his, uh, that he downloaded from his iPhone, and it showed these aliens talking to each other. And they said, did you find out what was going on down on Earth with all the celebration? And the other alien was just scratching his head and said, well, apparently, it's a big deal that their world managed to revolve around the sun in, you know, in a year. So, and they think they had something to do with it. So, you know, we, every new year though, we look at it and we say, we celebrate it. And I think it's very tied into Epiphany. And, I, and I'll share it with you why in just a few minutes. We're beginning a new sermon series over these next weeks called, What Light Will You Follow? As we sat and talked about uh, what it is we wanted to concentrate on during this season of in between, in between Christmas and Lent. And also in Lent, we wanted to look forward. We wanted to pay attention to the fact that this story now picks up where three people, probably representing uh, an entire uh, generation of people, the Gentiles, pay attention to something new. And they, uh, are determined to follow that and are committed to it because they're sure of what they're following. So, of course, the title is, What Light Will You Follow? And that's something to keep in mind even as we go into uh, reading the scripture and talking is, what light do you follow in your own life? I wish Becca was still here in a way because we have a running little debate in our uh, clergy team. And I'm made fun of all the time for it because I, there are certain things that I am such a purist for. And um, so I get a lot of teasing about it. And, and that thing is celebrating the wise men on Christmas. I don't think it's right. And, and the reason I don't think it's right is because, you know, as the story is told, there are no wise men at the stable. They're following a star, and there's no star at the stable. So, but all of our uh, Hallmark versions of Christmas have the wise men and the star at the stable. And so uh, every year on Monday evening Bible study, I give uh, uh, the group a quiz on the Bible to see which version they are following, whether it's the Hallmark version or the biblical version. 
And I don't do this to catch anyone out on it. It's just so interesting to see their faces when they realize, no, there was no star, at least in the Bible. There was no donkey. There was no donkey mentioned in the Bible. There were no animals. There's no animals mentioned in the Bible. There's no, the innkeeper said nothing, absolutely nothing. The scripture says because there was no uh, room in the inn, but the innkeeper isn't even mentioned. So all of those, how many of you are surprised by any of that? Thank you for being honest. <laughs> well, there's tons more where that came from. But the one thing that, for some reason, it just really hangs me up. So when we started, when we sang We Three Kings a few weeks ago, I was like, no, we can't sing that yet. And when we were doing the pageant, we had them coming in on our donkey and we all this stuff. But it's not because I'm a purist because I think that factually that is exactly how it happened any more than what we know. We don't know when Jesus was born. We don't know all of these things. But we have a story. And it's just fine that we have a story. But I believe that the way the scriptures sets a story has purpose. It's not just that the facts are all jumbled and we don't know when happened for what reason, but I think, I really do think there's a purpose behind the timing of certain things that happen in the scriptures. And my disdain for the, the astrologers uh, being at the stable with the shepherds is because I do think that timing is important. And why? Because it seems to me that after the dust settled of Jesus' birth, and there was this lull of nothing being different. And then we have Jesus being brought to the temple. And so every, it's like a pulse. And the Bible pulses with just when you think it's, it's all tamed down. Now we have Anna and we have Simeon saying, oh, this is the Lord. And then we go back and then there's nothing. And then all of a sudden you have these, these astrologers from far away coming and saying, we're looking for a king. And the, it, it, it's almost as though to remind us that even when we think nothing is going on, that God is at work. And that there may be life and movement in ways that we aren't even aware of. There may be these travelers coming from a great distance for a long time. And God is with them, leading them by a star. Meanwhile, we're here saying, well, nothing's happening. It's only, in fact, not only was there nothing phenomenal happening with Jesus, but terrible things were happening. Even worse things were happening after the announcement of Jesus. And we'll read about that in our uh, story. The definition of epiphany is a usually sudden manifestation or perception of the essential nature and meaning of something. An intuitive grasp of reality through something such as an event, usually simple and striking. An illuminating discovery, realization, or disclosure. And this is why I think Epiphany is so tied around New Year's. Because that intuitive grasp of reality through something such as an event usually simple and striking could be getting on the scales 
after Christmas, you look down and you see those numbers, and all of a sudden, a light bulb goes off in your head. I cannot eat like I have been for the last two weeks. That's an epiphany. All of a sudden, you're very aware. I can't eat candy cane and cookies and fudge and nuts and anything I want because it's the holiday season. And so we make these resolutions and we say everything's going to be different now because I realize I have completely let myself emotionally, spiritually, and physically go. And around the beginning of the year, we have this epiphany over and over and over again that we can do better and we want to do better. Maybe, I, maybe you have a list of epiphanies. I do. I keep a, a list of epiphanies I've had over the course of my whole lifetime, and there are some things I've learned. Some of my epiphanies have been since I was a child that the world does not revolve around me. That was an epiphany. Another one was that not everybody likes me. That's a startling and very hard epiphany sometimes to grasp that we will suffer no matter how careful we are, that we can survive all of those events that we're quite sure that we'll die from because they happen to us. I've come to realize that you can't love somebody out of an addiction. Our parents aren't perfect or superhuman, and neither am I. And I've come to have this epiphany, that we are loved and beautiful regardless of our brand of deodorant, toothpaste, body wash, shampoo, political bent, or numbers on a scale. Now there's another definition to epiphany. And that definition has more to do with this story that we're talking about. But I think it's completely bound into the other. This is that an epiphany as a noun is a manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles as represented by the Magi. The festival commemorating the Epiphany on January 6th, a manifestation of a divine or supernatural being. So in one sense, Je Jesus himself is the Epiphany. On the other hand, it is the awakening of all of those around him that became the Epiphany. So our scripture this morning is from Matthew 2, 1 through 13. Listen then to this story. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler 
who is to shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. This is the word of the Lord. I hope you listened carefully to the story and maybe heard it, heard the details of it as it is in Scripture. You heard that the child was in a house when the when the kings or the actually the magi or the astrologers arrived. King, those being kings, is another one of those myths. They were never spoken of as a king in the scriptures. And they also arrived from the east, and I want to just set, set this context for you. In scripture, because the Garden of Eden was said to be the end of the world, so to speak, in that ancient thinking, everything east of Eden was something that was separated from God. So everything in the East is talked about as being further and further into the unknown and into away from the place where God dwelled. And it wasn't until much later in biblical history that we came to understand when God appeared on the mountain and all of these other uh, pieces that in fact God was not confined to a place, that God was the creator of the, of the world. So when they talk about these three wise men or these three astrologers coming from the east, what they're saying is that they're Gentiles, that they're not Jews. And over and over again in scripture, this is a point that the scripture is trying to make to us, is that from the very beginning, Christ came for the entire world, not just for the Jews. But the Jews were the chosen ones to bring Christ to the world. And you can see how, how the, the paths diverge at some point. And that's why Paul has such a very hard time understanding why don't the Jews accept Jesus? This is our destiny. And he was a Jew. So it's not a, it's not a, a judgment on, on Jews. It's simply saying that the Jews were the vehicle by which to bring the Christ, 
God in flesh to the entire world for all people. And so the astrologers came, and then something happened. Herod had an epiphany. There are epiphanies going on all over the place in this story. I hope you see some of them. But Herod had an epiphany. Wait a minute. If this is the king of the Jews, where does that put me? So he set about doing a terrible thing. He set about trying to find out where Jesus was, and because he couldn't locate Jesus, he then ordered all babies under three to be boys to be killed. And it says there was a great cry heard in Ramah. And Rachel was crying for her children. And that's reminiscent of another time when the Jews were being exterminated. In another time when a liberator had been born. Another time when a liberator had had to be safely tucked away for a time. Because we remember Moses when the people were growing too many people, too many uh, Hebrews. And the Pharaoh and the Egyptians became very afraid that they were going to take over and there would be a new Pharaoh. It was the same epiphany for Pharaoh that maybe Herod had. Wait a minute, I'm in charge. And so Pharaoh ordered the killing of all male Hebrews. So we have a a shadow and light going on here. We hear this and we're shocked at it. And that revelation and that epiphany of Herod, I am not in charge, continues to play out through his whole miserable life. Or was it the people's epiphany? The people's epiphany in such that our Messiah is coming where is, where is what we expected? How is this baby going to overcome the Romans? When is God going to set things right? And the epiphany is perhaps God doesn't do things the way we planned it. And many of them rejected that and wouldn't accept that even long after Jesus. Long after Jesus was crucified and resurrected and the church became different than the synagogue long after that. It just, Jesus just didn't measure up to what their desire was for Jesus to be. Maybe it was the Gentiles' epiphany. Wait, can you imagine the three astrologers coming from the East, Gentiles, who are going on a journey looking for a star where the king of the Jews was going to be born. What does that mean exactly? What is the scripture trying to teach us in that? That this king was not just king of the Jews, but that this was someone to be worshipped and recognized as a liberator for the whole world. And isn't it interesting that throughout Scripture, Jesus over and over again will comment and point towards a Gentile in his message for the Jews and for the whole world. 
So we have these Gentiles coming. We have the Gentile, the Samaritan, the good Samaritan in a parable. We have the Samaritan woman in one of the, uh, the greatest texts of all times when she, she begs for the life of her child and, and Jesus rejects her. And then she says, couldn't you just give me a crumb? And he says, yes. Or the centurion, the, the Roman centurion. And, and Jesus says this in the presence of all his disciples. He says, I have seen no greater faith in this whole place than in this Gentile oppressor, officer of the Roman army. Because that, that man understood the authority of Jesus and said, no need for you to come into my house. No need for you to leave what you're doing right now. Just say the word and it'll happen because I know I'm in charge of my troops. And when I say the word, it happens. And you're the same way with the world. Was it the epiphany of the wise men? Or was it an epiphany for us? An epiphany for us that as the body of Christ, we now have the same mission, the same purpose, the same blessing, the same spirit to compel and propel us into the world. Is it our epiphany that the world doesn't revolve around us, but our world revolves around Christ? And everything that we are and everything that we do and everything that we hope to be revolves around this person of Christ. Epiphany is a very important time. And I hope we take more time with it. I will still be advocating for no We Three Kings next year before Epiphany. But if you sing it, you'll know I lost. <laughs> and it's okay. If you see Mary ride in on a donkey, you will know I lost, but it's okay. Or a star, or all of them gathered around the stable. It all becomes our story. And it's an important story. But it's also important to recognize that these aren't just old stories. That they are stories for us today and how they're told, and how they're presented, and how they're lifted up is essential for us to understand and to experience and to live out. I hope that you have wise people that surround you. And I hope that they have come from far away and from long ago to touch you, to hold you, to heal you, and I hope that you're the same wise people who would go the extra mile for the people that God has sent us to. I hope that we are a wise community that will follow the star that God puts, puts for us, that it will be God's light that we follow. It'll be God's light that we are determined to follow until it rests in the place that we need it to be and the place where God intends it to be. And then we start to work. God bless you, my friends. God bless you in this epiphany. And I pray that they just continue to unfold for you day by day. And we ask all of these things in the name of Christ. Amen. <laughs>